Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, how easy is it to pray? And how easy is it to talk to God? Well, in a very general sense, it is very easy. And all you have to do is, well, talk to God. You simply ask him for things. You don't need a certain number of good works in your spiritual bank account to start praying. You don't need a specific reputation or a financial status before you can start praying. You don't need a position in the church. You don't need to drive all the way to Zion or find the nearest church in order to pray. You don't need to face a certain direction, wear certain clothes, or kneel on the ground, or wait for specific times to pray. You don't need to be a certain age to pray. You don't need to pray for a certain amount of time. You don't need anything with you when you pray. You can pray alone or with others, a written prayer or one from the top of your head. You can pray it out loud or silently. In fact, if, it didn't, if, if this wasn't easy enough, Jesus, on top of that, gave you a prayer to pray, the Lord's Prayer. There's nothing you need to accomplish or fulfill before you can start praying. There's nothing you need to do before God listens to the prayers you pray through faith in Christ. <clears throat> so prayer is easy. <coughs> and it's easy not because that's simply the nature of prayer. Prayer is easy because Jesus made it easy. Jesus did all the heavy lifting, and when God's ears were completely closed and sealed to us, it was Jesus who opened the ears of God the Father to us. When Jesus bled and suffered and died and resurrected, he earned for us the right to be called children of God. When Jesus' flesh was ripped in his passion, he was ripped apart. He, he ripped apart the chasm that was between you and God. And though the death and the resurrection, and through the death and resurrection of Christ, God tenderly invites you to believe that he is your true father and that you are his true child, so that with all boldness and confidence, you may ask him as a dear child asks his father. Prayer is easy, and it literally couldn't be any easier than this. And yet, why is it that you don't pray as often as you should? Why is it that whenever you look back on your week, you don't see yourself praying as you ought? When you think back to how you lived your life these past seven days, why is it that you didn't pray very much? How is it that you found time to finish every other task this week, and that you found time to even entertain yourself, but you couldn't find time to devote yourself to God in prayer? How is it that you can manage to accomplish everything you do but praying with your wife and child? Literally, the easiest thing to do when it comes to having a wife and child is something that you constantly fail to do. How many times did you fall asleep this night, at night, to the sound of you worrying about your problems and longing for things that you don't have? How many times did you scarf down your food without uttering a single word of thanks to God? Did the time you spent in prayer this week outweigh all of the bad news and the trouble that you saw and that you heard? How many times did you complain about your work, about your boss, your employees, 
your culture instead of praying for them? How often did you get angry at the politics and the government around us? How often did you pray for them? How many disagreements and arguments did you have with your spouse, with your loved ones, and how many times did you pray together? Be honest. You didn't pray that much. And I say this as one who is guilty of the same. The word that convicts you convicts me. Yes, you're busy. Yes, you're stressed. Yes, you have bills to pay. Yes, you have disagreements and conflicts. Yes, you have a pile of dishes to wash and children to look after. And, <coughs> excuse me, uh, and, and easier than all of these things is prayer. And you didn't. If you go online, you're going to find a bunch of books written on prayer uh, more than any other topic in the Christian life. And you'll find books on helping you find your prayer breakthrough. And you'll find books that tell you how to reset your prayer life, that'll teach you 20 ways to be more consistent with prayer. You'll find books that teach you to pray, to develop a habit of powerful prayer, to experience the, the peace of prayer. You'll find articles and blogs endlessly talking about devoting yourself and re-energizing your prayer in, in 42 days or some magic number like that. And if you've read any of these books, you'll realize that no matter how sincerely you've read it, you'll find that you still aren't praying as often as you know you should. They won't get you to pray any better. In fact, you can read all of these books, all of these articles, all these writings, and they won't help you. None of them will. None of them will help you because the reason you don't pray is not because you don't have enough energy. It's not because you're bad with time management. It's not because you don't know how to pray <clears throat> or that you have no one to pray with <coughs> or that you don't have the words to pray. The reason you don't pray isn't a lack of instruction or motivation. The reason you don't pray as often as you should is because you don't believe as you should. Prayer is an act of faith. Prayer is a work of the new man given to us in holy baptism. Prayer doesn't cause faith. Faith causes prayer. The more faith you have, the more you're going to pray. And the weaker your faith, the less you pray. Martin Luther says that the prayer, that prayer is the heartbeat of the Christian. You can tell that faith is alive. <coughs> You can tell that faith is alive not only by what you pray for, but also how often. So make no mistake about it. The Christian who doesn't pray often won't remain a Christian much longer. I'll say it again. The Christian who doesn't pray often won't remain a Christian much longer. Remember those words and take them to heart. The reason your prayer life is weak and is not as good as you know it should be is because your faith is weak. <coughs> when you realize that you aren't praying often, that's because faith is flickering on its last ember. The truth is you often deceive yourself into thinking that your faith is much stronger than it actually is. The reason is because it's so easy for us to, uh, to equate knowledge with faith. We think, look, I know the gospel. I can repeat it. 
I know what it, it says cognitively. I've heard it a thousand times. I know what the Bible says. I know this liturgy like the back of my hand. I read it. I know it. I have all these books on these things. I've heard it all before. And we think that simply because we know it, that somehow it means that we believe it, that we have faith. But that's not true. Faith doesn't just know things. Faith trusts. Faith prays. What did the epistle lesson teach us today? It says, be not hearers of the word only, but be doers also. And God's word tells us to pray. And when you don't pray, it's because your faith is dying or dead. When you understand this connection that weak prayer means weak faith, <coughs> then you're forced to face the reality of your poor and miserable condition. When you realize that your heart can't do the, the easy and the simple work of simply asking God for things or simply saying thank you for what he's done, you realize how sinful and fallen you really are. And so what do you do? What do you do when you recognize that your faith is indeed weak? What do you do when you realize you don't pray as you should? If you've actually been paying attention to the readings and the sermons so far, you'll realize that you have a huge reason to be afraid right now. You have every reason in the world to be scared because your faith isn't as strong as you thought. Your faith is weak and it's little. But knowing that your faith is weak isn't gonna make it stronger. Being afraid isn't going to help you fulfill God's word to pray. More energy, more time management, and a thousand books aren't going to help you a bit. You can make a thousand excuses and give 10,000 reasons as to why you didn't pray, but none of them are going to stand before the face of God. You can try to defend your sin, and, and, and when you do so, it's an attempt to mock God, who knows all things, who knows your heart. And God won't be mocked. The only way out of this is through it. It's to confess your sin, to admit it, to repent of it, to turn to Christ. When your conscience attacks you, when you know what is right and wrong and you haven't done what is right, when you have failed to be the Christian that you want to be and the Christian that God has called you to be, when you, your sin confronts you, when you find that you have failed to pray and praise and thank God as much as he deserves, and then, dear Christian, what more do you need than to hear the promise of Christ that he has borne all of your sins? The only thing that will help you in this time is the words and the promises of Christ. The answer to your few prayers and your wavering faith is the word of Christ, your dear Lord, who suffered and bled for you. The answer to your weak faith is the unshakable faithfulness of Christ, which he imputes to you. The answer to your few and faltering prayers is the perfect and perpetual prayers of Christ for you. When you see how fragile and feeble you are, that's when you need to hear everything that Jesus says. When you face the reality of your sin and misery, don't look to your prayers to your life of prayer. Don't look to your works. Don't even look to your faith. You look to Christ. 
You look to him on the cross, suffering and bleeding and forgiving you every single one of your sins. See that he has remained faithful to you even when you were unfaithful to him. While you forgot to thank God in heaven, he still treated you like his dear child. Not because of anything in you, but because of what Christ did for you on Calvary. Because he loves you. Because he's given his son for you. When Jesus shed his blood for you on that cross, he washed away all of the times you didn't pray and replaced it with all the times he did. When he wept bitter tears of agony and pain, he scrubbed away all of the unbelief and the weakness in your heart. And while he suffered anguish and pain from that cross, he cried out, not that the Father would punish you and have vengeance, that he would forgive you, that he wouldn't judge you according to your sin, that he, would not, that, that he would forget your failure and remember them no more. And now that Christ has resurrected and ascended to the right hand of the Father, he prays for you day and night, pleading that the Father doesn't look at your sinful heart and causing the Father to remember the forgiveness that you have in him. Dear saints, the, you, you must know this. That Jesus is the solution to your infrequent prayers and your frail faith. Not your efforts, not your works, not your organization. Christ is the solution. God knows your weakness and your failures. And he won't throw them in your face. As long, so long as you lay them before his gracious countenance in true repentance. Those sins which you repent, he will remember no more. The one who points out your unbelief also gives you the faith to stand strong, to have peace. He not only forgives you for what you have so often failed to do, but he also gives you the will, the affection, the desire, and the ability to do better. Just as you can't by your own reason or strength believe in Jesus or come to him, so too by your own reason or strength you're unable to pray. You can't make a resolution that you're going to believe more unless you make the resolution that you're going to hear God's word more. You can't make the resolution that you're going to pray more unless you make the resolution first that you're going to hear God's word more. Because the more you hear God's word, the more faith he will give you and the more you will pray. So you don't pray as often as you should. So listen to the word of God all the more. And after you listen to his holy word of forgiveness, thank him for how gracious and kind and loving and merciful and good he is to you. Thank him for making your forgiveness easy, for making it free, for making it perfect, for making it for you and giving it all to you. As you live your life, give thanks for your daily bread with joy, knowing that your Father in heaven gives it to you with or without your prayers. But praise God, knowing that he's led you to realize this and that he has given you the faith to thank him here this day, in this moment, and all your life. Pray in the midst of trouble when God gives you joy and pray when you have trouble. Pray when you have tribulation, knowing that Christ has overcome them all. Fathers, pray with your children. Mothers, do the same. Wives and husbands, pray with each other and pray for each other. 
Children, pray for your parents. Everyone, pray for yourselves. Pray for others here in this church. Pray when you eat. Pray when you go to bed, when you wake up, when you come to church, when you receive the Lord's Supper, when you hear the sermon. Pray without ceasing, knowing that God hears every single thought, word, worry, angst, and sigh. Whatever grieves you, whatever, whatever tempts you, whatever keeps you from praying, commend it to all, all of it, to your Father in prayer. Ask Him for whatever you need in this life and also the next, with boldness and confidence, knowing that He's gracious and merciful to give you all of it. And when you pray, don't pray out of, some, out of the burden of some religious obligation. But pray because you're a child of God. Because he is your dear father. And he wants and delights in nothing more than to hear your voice. Asking him for what he has promised to give you. Pray because God has loved you with an unfailing, unfaltering, and unfading love. One for you through the cross of Christ. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.